because I know there's someone here in the church that has a roast in the oven. And, <laughs> and it's a certain moment people are going to start flocking out the doors. So I'm going to come over here and uh, use one of these stands. And I'm going to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning. Can you give um, Blanca and Lawrence a big hand? Also, CB and Tad back there, the sound men, they never get any glory when things go right, and they get all the blame when something goes wrong. But I appreciate them. I really do. Let's have a prayer. Lord, I thank you today for the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and active and sharp. And we would ask that today, Lord, you will anoint the reading of the Word and you will anoint what we look at. We pray your Word will become life, not just ink on paper. We pray it will be life-changing for someone here today. And we give this rest of the service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, Jesus said if only two or three gathered here, he was right here. And I don't know about you. I know that up here, but I feel his presence today. He's, he's with us today. We could go home right now and, and uh, know we've been in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to read you. I brought you this Bible here just to prove to you that I do read it. It's legitimate. But I wrote these verses out on a piece of paper. So just because I don't open it up here doesn't mean it's not in here. The Bible says the Christians at Berea were more noble than the ones at Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures to make sure that what he was talking about was right on. But I want to start just for a few minutes this morning uh, with, with a line out of the Lord's Prayer. We've learned the Lord's Prayer our whole life. We, we go through it. Um, and I, one of my most embarrassing moments of my life was I had to sing this, the Lord's Prayer at a wedding. And, of course, and this was years ago, who needs, wor- who needs the words for the Lord's Prayer? You've said it since you were a little boy. And I forgot this line that I'm preaching from. Uh, and, and this was the line. You go through it, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be. You, you know it. And you come down to this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's Matthew 6, verse 13. Well, I left that out in the wedding, and I think they've had marriage problems or temptation problems ever since because I didn't sing it at the wedding, but I'm not sure. Anyway, Jesus said, among other things, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil evil. Now, a lot of the translations uh, uh, translate evil as the evil one. If you read a lot of your translations, it says, deliver us from the evil one. And I want to talk just for a few minutes today. Not that I like to talk about it, but it's important. I want to talk to you today about the fact that we have an enemy out there called the evil one, the devil. Satan. How many believe there is a devil in this world? 
he is not this little little red man with a pitchfork and a little tail and little horns that sits on people's shoulders. He's not that. He is a mastermind of a network of evil. The Bible says he is the prince of the air. He's the evil one. Um, he is more like a mafia boss coordinating. He's more like Osama bin Laden used to be, sitting in a cave but just orchestrating everything. And he is your enemy. I've heard people say, well, he's not my enemy. I'm not a Christian. He's my friend. No, he's not. He's not your friend. He has one aim, and that is to destroy you, uh, make your life miserable, and eventually drag you into hell. That's his aim. And he may be, you know, he may give you pleasure, as the Bible says. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but it's only a trap. He is our mortal enemy, and he is especially going to fight anybody who tries to follow the Lord. There's a verse. First uh, Peter says five eight. It says, "Be alert and be of a sober mind." Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's out to devour you. He's out to wreck your life. He's out to ruin you. And Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one who would try to hurt us and harm us. There's a verse I love to read, and this is... um, Second Corinthians 2, and I want to just kind of talk about this verse, verses uh, 10 and 11. It starts out, um, Paul says, if I forgive anyone, I also, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. What I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I forgive it in the sight of Christ for sake. Then here's the zinger here. He says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. How many of you know tonight, today, that the devil is a schemer? He's got all kinds of plans up his sleeve to try to trap you into sin. He's got all sorts of ways of fighting us. One thing the Bible says, he's a deceiver. He, he tries to trick our minds, play tricks on our mind. Make us believe things that aren't true. Make us believe the Bible isn't really true anymore like it used to be. Make us think that God, it's okay for you to do this or that when it isn't. I, I remember pastoring up in Massachusetts. I'll never forget. The phone rang one day. There was a man who, um, a big, big, burly, big man, never showed any emotion, tough guy. And he was crying on the phone. I knew something had to be wrong. He said, could you come over to the house? I drove, it was about a half an hour drive. I went there and walked in the house, a couple I loved very dearly. And he was crying. He asked his wife, he said, can you tell Lawrence uh, what you need to tell him? She looked me in the face and she said, I believe the Lord has told me that I married the wrong person. And uh, I've been seeing an old boyfriend down in Philadelphia. And God has shown me he is my soulmate, not him. And I'm going to leave him and go with whom God has shown me my soulmate is. And I looked at her and said, that is not God. Now, you might think it is, 
But one of the tactics, one of the schemes of the enemy is to deceive people. And you have been deceived into believing something you thought was the Holy Spirit. It's not. Adultery is wrong. It's always wrong. And she said, well, every time I ride to Philadelphia, I can just feel the Holy Spirit the closer I get to town. I'm thinking, uh, I think the spirit you're feeling might be L-U-S-T, but I'm not sure about that. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure it's the Holy Spirit. But he will deceive us. Another thing he does, he accuses you. He'll accuse, he accuses Job. He accused Job. And he, um, he will accuse you in your mind. How many of you ever, ever hear these little voices? Oh, you're no good. You're just like your daddy. You'll never amount to anything. Where's that coming from? We have an enemy who likes to accuse us. Anything to put us down, he opposes us. Paul said one time, he said, I wanted to come see you. But the enemy, Satan, thwarted us, always standing in the way. If, if you're going to do anything for the Lord, expect opposition. And there is an answer to that. We just have to oppose back. Bible says, submit yourselves to the Lord, resist the devil, and what happens? He will flee. Now, first of all, you've got to read the fine print. You can't just resist the devil if you're not submitted to God. Read your Bible. I won't go into it, but there were some people called the seven sons of Sceva who went around trying to rebuke the devil. They didn't know Jesus, and the, uh, the guy beat them up. Really, almost killed him. You don't have any power against the devil if you're not following Jesus with all your heart. But it says resist him. We had a dog one time. Well, we have many dogs over the years. But we were walking our dog in Massachusetts one time. Uh, we had a path. We live right by the woods, and there was a path that went, a trail that went through the woods. We were walking the dog. He didn't have a leash. And all of a sudden, uh, a cat walked by. Uh, he saw a cat. Started chasing this cat and just chasing this cat, just uh, ferocious. And we were looking there, and all of a sudden the cat was running. Then the cat just stopped and turned around and <laughs> did like this, you know. He just put it right there. And the dog started screaming and squealing and ran off into the woods. It took forever to find the dog. Sometimes we need to do that to the devil. We just need to turn around and say, in the name of Jesus, I am resisting you. The Bible says he'll flee. But you've got to fight him. You can't just be uh, passive about it. But the, 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 one of the things, that probably the most common thing, is he tempts us. He tempts us. He lays traps for us. He makes a sin um, appealing. And I want to talk about this for a little bit. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his schemes. He's a schemer. And God wants to open our eyes so that we can see the scheme, so we can avoid it. You know, I've, how many of you have ever raised teenagers? How many teenagers have we got in the church right now? I want to see your hands. All right. You're wonderful people. I just love you. But um, you're not like most teenagers, okay? How many of you have raised perfect little angels? When they were teenagers. Well, you know what? I, I was, this is back before everybody had cell phones. My daughter, um, she tested us to the limit. She's wonderful now, but boy, she tested us. And I picked up the phone one night. It's about 11 o'clock, about 11, 1030. 
And I've overheard my teenage daughter. She's about 16. And she's talking to a friend. I could hear a friend, you know. They didn't know I was listening. She says, now here's the plan. We're going to drive up in front of your house at uh, 12, 15. Be looking out the window and crawl out the window when we, when we drive up. And we'll ride. It was a school night. We'll ride around. <laughs> I hung the phone up. I told my wife, I said, I'll fix her. <laughs> I'm not ignorant of that scheme. It's just like the Bible says, we're not ignorant. And I remember I went out to my car. I said, I'm going out. I'm going to trick them. I'm going to catch them. And so uh, I said, they're, they're going to come over. And it was cold. It was wintertime. It was January, freezing. I said, I'm going to sit in my car. I'm going to go out there at midnight. I'm just going to wait till 1215. And then when she gets out the window, I'm going to catch her. Well, uh, I went out there and froze to death. I mean, I, I was shivering. and took a little blanket with me. And they were late. They were like 15, 20 minutes late. I was about to die out there. And so finally this, this car drove up. And um, they were there. They were waiting. And I wanted to wait good and long till I could see my daughter's leg coming out of that window. We had a, had a, a flower box in the window, so she had to stretch out real wide, you know. And <laughs> she... She climbed out the window, and that was my signal. And I slammed that door, and I went walking across the grass. I said, oh, no, you don't. And I heard these tires squealing behind me. I mean, this car was just, <laughs> just squealing, the tires. And my daughter's immortal words, we laugh at it now. She says, Dad, are you crazy? I said, no, you're crazy. Get in the house right now. And uh Years later, this is just so funny, about three or four years later, uh, about three years ago, about three or four years ago, I worked for adoptions for the state of South Carolina, and I interviewed people that want to adopt children. And I was uh, interviewing this couple, and I said, oh, I see here you graduated in 2000. I said, that's the year my ki- one of my kids graduated. I wonder if you knew my children. And I told him the name. He says, he says, yeah, he says, do you live in a white house with a picket fence right, right at the curb? I said, uh, yeah, how would you know? Then all of a sudden I looked at him and says, you weren't one of the guys in the car, were you? He said, he said, I was in the back seat, and I told the driver, get out of here. He's coming, and he's big. And uh, I couldn't hurt a fly, but I guess when you're fat, you can kind of intimidate people, and they think you're, you're tough too. But the point of all this is, I became aware of a scheme, and because I was aware of it, I didn't have to fall for it, and I was able to cut it off. Now, that's how we have to deal with the devil. And I want to tell you two or three things here real quickly of how to avoid the trap of falling into temptation. First thing, you need to resist quickly don't wait till you're being tempted more and more and more and more quickly say no don't play around with it in the garden of eden they should have never had a conversation should have just been nope god said not to i'm not doing it bye-bye david when he saw bathsheba it wasn't a sin that he saw bathsheba bathing That wasn't a sin. The sin was that he kept looking. Quickly move away from it. Here's another another thing, a a wonderful verse that I just want to read to you here. It's in um, 1 Corinthians 
it says, No temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will provide a way of escape. A way of escape. What does that say? That says he's never going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can resist. Don't believe that lie. What it's saying is the devil's on a leash. He's on a chain. God says, I'm not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, I'm going to give you a way out. Look for the way of escape. Look for the emergency door. Look for a way. If it's too strong for you, run for your life. Get out. Get out. Don't play around with it. Walk away from it. Run away from it. And stay away from getting too close to the temptation. Please listen to me. I was walked, I went for a walk one time when I was visiting my parents in South Carolina uh, before I moved back down there. I was living in Massachusetts. And I decided I'd take me a quick walk, a three-mile walk. About once every four years, I decide I want to lose weight. About every election year, you know, every four years. And I decided I would go for a walk to my aunt's house. And uh, it was a three-mile walk out in the country. And all of a sudden, I got near the church where I used to go, and the most ferocious Great Danes I've ever seen in my life started chasing after me, chasing toward me. There was no fence, and they were ferocious. They were growling. I just thought, and that was right by a cemetery. I thought, well, this is handy. This is handy. I'm about to be killed, and you can just drag me to the cemetery and lay me by my grandpa's tombstone. And all, and I was crying, oh, God, help me, help me, God. And all of a sudden, they got about to that step, and they just stopped, just stopped. And I was tempted to think, oh, my, I'm like the prophet Daniel. God, God, God shut the mouth of the lions, and I called on God, and it's a miracle. And the lady came out. I knew her. She said, well, this is what we call an underground fence. Oh, it wasn't my faith. No, it was an underground fence. It shocks the dog. And I want to tell you something about the devil. Listen to me. God controls how much he can tempt you. And what you need to do and I need to do is stay away from crossing over that line where you're within range of the leash. There's a story in the book of Proverbs about a young man who was just stupid we need to not be stupid we need to be smart we need to think ahead we need the the other thing that we need to do besides uh, resisting quickly and staying out of range we need to plan ahead and not take ourselves into a situation where you know in advance you're going to be tempted people do that all the time You've got an alcohol problem. You don't really want to fly to Munich to beer fest, do you? I mean, really, do you? Stay away from what you know would knock you down and, and you would fall. There's a, a young man in Proverbs, and it's in Proverbs chapter 7. It, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but Solomon says uh, there, was a, there was a young man, and he went walking at night. 
and he walks, uh, this is Proverbs 7, he walked on a street where a prostitute lived. He went walking at twilight. And the woman came and kissed him and held his hand and said, my husband has gone for a long time. And she seduced him and he fell into sin. And I thought when I read about that man, how stupid. You want to go for a walk, so you walk down a street. They used to call it the red light district. But you walk down a street where you know there's temptation. You walk on the side of the street of the lady's house. And she comes out and she kisses you and she, she uh, tempts you. And you fall into it. And you go walking at twilight, at dark. You could have avoided that whole thing had you just been careful and not been ignorant of the devil's schemes to trap you. Uh, this is a very simple word, but I just want to tell you something. You have an enemy. We have an enemy. And I've seen ministers fall. I've seen people who serve the Lord for many years fall into great temptation. And don't, don't be deceived into thinking. The Bible says, if any man stand, let him take heed lest he fall. We need to avoid sin. If you want to be a Christian, seriously, if we want to be a Christian, don't we want to walk away from everything that Jesus said to stay away from? If we really love him. I want to close with a little story that I heard. And um, I'm, I'm kind of putting all this together. Uh, we've got pages and pages. I'm just trying to put it all together. But I hope you get the point. I hope I get the point. God can deliver us from the evil one. He can deliver us from temptation. But we've got to be serious about listening to him and following him. There's a story I heard one time. I don't know if it's true or not, about a lady in Switzerland up in the Alps, and a very rich lady, and she wanted to uh, hire a chauffeur. And so she interviewed three men. What she told each man, she said, I like to look at the mountains when I'm riding. I want to know how close you can get me to the edge so I can get a good view without, you know, how, how, how close can you get me there? And one guy said, I can get you within eight inches of the edge. Second guy said, I can get you within six inches of the edge. The third man said, ma'am, I'm not interested in getting you to danger. The edge where you possibly could have a disaster. I'm not your guy because I want to stay away from danger. You'll be safe with me because we'll get out of we'll get out of the way of the danger. Well, guess who she hired? If she's smart, she would have hired a third guy. But I thought when I heard that story, how often, how often we fail ourselves and we fail our family and we fail God because we just wanted to live close to the edge, close to the edge of danger. And there is an enemy that has traps and snares all along that edge. 
last thing I was going to say, I saw a thing in the, on the Internet last night, and I thought, boy, isn't this true? There was a picture on the um, Facebook of a hen, of a bird. I think it was a, I don't know what kind of bird. I thought it was a chicken at first, but then I looked, I think it was something else. But it was raining, and she had all of her babies under her wings. And she was standing there protecting them. Here's the thing. You live close. Live close to God. Live close. Want to do His will. Want to do what He wants. You don't have to really worry a lot about falling into temptation if you stay close to your protector, and that's Jesus. And thank you so much for listening to me. I want us to have a prayer. And um, I'll turn it back over to you, Pastor, if you want to have a song or anything at the end. Lord, I just lift up uh, this crowd today. I lift up all the young people, all the kids. I pray that something that has been said today will, will motivate them to always follow you at a young age. Lord, I know that you sent me here to Texas to, uh, for people that needed to hear you. And so, Lord, I know that your word will not come back void without accomplishing what it went for. But, Lord, we just pray that you will now make this word really important and really real. And you will give us uh, alarm signals when we're in danger of falling prey to the enemy's schemes. Thank you so much, Lord. Enjoy.